next week we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you see here and we'll have a little bit of a recap of our VBS and we'll talk a little bit about what went into making all of these different sets that we did but I don't want to spoil anything for those of you who are coming to VBS so we're not going to do that today um, but stay tuned next week I'll give you guys a little insight on how all of this came together what we're going to talk about today is we are going to take a look at some of the young leaders in the Bible I felt like this being a youth-led service, that it would only be right to take a look at some of our young leaders from the Bible. So we're going to take a look at three different groups of people this morning. And for those of you saying to yourselves, well, I'm not a young person, this doesn't apply to me, stay tuned, because we're going to talk about how not only you can help young people, but we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you might be able to take from some of these young leaders and be able to apply that to your own lives as well. So don't tune me out if you feel like it doesn't apply to you, because I promise uh, we'll get there. Um, the, the passage that Michael read for us this morning is one of my favorites. Of course, I'm a youth minister, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, but I love the fact that he encourages young people not to let anyone look down on you because of your age. So what we're going to look at today is some people from the Bible who did just that. They didn't let their age define who they were or the fact that God was calling them to do amazing things. So that's what we're going to look at here this morning. But I don't want to back up and read Timothy again because I feel like Michael did a great job of that. All right, so the big idea. So for those of you who kind of know my style, um, when I get up here, I like to have one kind of big idea that I would love for you to take home with you today. So if you don't hear anything else that I say today, this is what I would love for you to take with you, and that's that God chooses people according to his plan, not according to age, gender, background, or abilities. And I feel like I could also throw timing in there as well. Amen. <laughs> we could do a whole nother lesson on God's timing and how it's perfect, but it doesn't always match up with ours. But these are the things that we're going to focus on today. And we are not gonna, I'm not going to introduce any characters that you've never heard of, but what I want to talk about is some young people in the Bible who did extraordinary things and kind of flush out the things that they did and why it was so important. So how could we not start with Mary, right? Kind of all begins and ends with Mary because she was the mother of Jesus. And I know we talk a lot about Mary at Christmas time, but I want to look at her as a young leader in the Bible and what she did for us. So if you, if you would, if you have your Bibles or you can simply look on the screen, we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 1, verses 35 through 38. Again, familiar story for most of us. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So again, this is a very familiar story for us. This is the angel Gabriel talking to Mary and basically dropping the bombshell on her that she's going to give birth to the Son of Man. Now, Mary at this time was probably in her early teens to mid-teens, according to the, the historical information that I looked up. And to a lot of us, that's going to seem a little bit shocking, right? Because that's pretty young. But in this time, it wasn't all that uncommon for women to be married and or conceive children in their teenage years. And a lot of historians believe that's why the Bible doesn't specifically list her age, because this wouldn't have been anything unusual in this time. But let's take a look at the circumstances that surrounded Mary. So 
Mary gets a visit from an angel, which in and of itself is probably a scary thing, right? We think of angels with the white fluffy wings and the halo, and they're all hugging and smiles, and it's wonderful. But it probably would have been a frightening thing to have a messenger from God come and speak directly to you. But the thing about Mary was she was young, she was single, and she was a virgin. So let's flesh that out a little bit. Think of the complications that came along with this. Right? You can only imagine what Mary was thinking at the time. She was thinking, me? Really? First of all, she's thinking, why me? And second of all, she's thinking, uh-oh, I'm engaged to someone else. And how is he going to feel when he finds out that I'm pregnant? And it's obviously not his. So Mary had kind of a lot of things going against her. And she knew, and I can only imagine the things that were going on in her mind at this time. She knew this was going to cause a lot of problems for her. A lot of problems, not only with her family, not only with her fiance, not only with the people that lived in the community around her, but people everywhere were going to judge her and assume that she had been promiscuous and that she was not a righteous woman, but here she was going to give birth to the Son of God. And what I love about this passage, my favorite part of the entire passage, is the very end. And this is where Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. Sometimes we feel like we don't want to listen to what God is telling us to do because it's not convenient, because it doesn't meet our timeline, it doesn't meet our goals, it's not what we were hoping for or what we were wanting. But what if we all have the same attitude as Mary? Look, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to do it right? Because the timing isn't always going to be there. And in this case, the timing probably couldn't have been worse for Mary. I can kind of relate to that. I'd been praying for years that God would find a way to put me to use in full-time ministry. And I'd been praying for that for probably three or four years. And I'd had a couple of opportunities come up that just didn't work out because that wasn't God's plan for me at that time. But for those of you who kind of know Lizzie and I's story, timing, right? Lizzie was under contract with her school district in Phoenix until June, and I got the call in October from the eldership at our church asking me if I would consider coming back and being the youth minister. So here was God saying, yes, Aaron, I'm going to give you what you've been praying for for many, many years now, but the timing is terrible, right? The last thing I wanted to do is be away from my wife and baby for seven months while I traveled back and forth and back and forth and back and forth countless number of times, But sometimes I feel like God gives us what we want, but not always in the time frame that we want to have it in. So I could kind of relate a little bit to what Mary was going through from the standpoint of, why now, God? Really? And yes, that's kind of how I talk to God sometimes. Really, God? Now? And that's exactly what I was feeling because it wasn't my plan. My plan wasn't to be offered the position that I'd been wanting for a long time when Lizzie had to be six hours away. But God doesn't work that way. But sometimes we have to be willing, just like Mary did, to say, look, Lord, I'm your servant. If this is what you want me to do, and this is the direction that you're going to point me in, then I'm going to do it. Mary had that wisdom at a very, very young age. I don't know about you guys. I work with teenagers every day. A lot of them are right here. They don't always make the greatest decisions. They don't always have the wisdom and understanding that we would like them to have. They're getting there. But could you imagine being these guys' age and the Lord sending a messenger down to you with something like this? What a huge, amazing thing. And for her to have the courage and the wisdom to say, yes, Lord, if this is what you would have me to do, then I'm going to do it. 
She didn't complain. She didn't say, oh, why me? Not me, Lord. This is not what I want to do. I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want my fiance to be mad. This is not the plan that I had. She said, I am your servant. If this is what you want from me, then this is what I'm going to do. And that's why I chose to, to use Mary as our first example this morning, because of her willingness to sacrifice and to follow God's will, even though it was probably not exactly what she had in mind. And I think that that's a great example for all of us, both young and older, is we have to understand that what God wants for us and what we want are not always the same thing. So we have to be open to God's will and God's plan and learn to follow that instead of our plan and what our will may be. Next, we're going to talk about the apostles. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 18 to 22. Otherwise, I do have it on the screen for you as well because, you know, it's early on a Sunday morning. So I do like to make it easy on you as much as I can. But let's talk a little bit about the 12 apostles. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. Now they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, we read a lot about the apostles, and sometimes I think we forget that these were simple fishermen, simple people that were called to do amazing things. And again, most of the apostles were probably in their mid to late teenage years. We're not talking about full-grown people with years of knowledge and wisdom. We're talking about young people who were called to do amazing things. This is the part that blows my mind. The apostles followed Jesus for approximately three and a half years and then were called on to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth and write the New Testament. Think about that as a teenager. That's a pretty big order to fill. But they were young guys and they were out doing incredible things for Jesus. And I love the fact that when Jesus called them from their boat, from their job fishing, they didn't argue. They didn't say, hey, not right now. I'm kind of in the middle of something, Lord. I got other things I got going on here. I'm, I'm trying to make a living here. They left what they were doing, and they followed Jesus. And I think that that is a great example for us sometimes, because I feel like we aren't always willing to put things down and follow Jesus. But I got to work. Well, of course you have to work. But when your work takes priority over Jesus, it becomes a problem. The apostles didn't do that. They stopped what they were doing, they left their jobs, and they followed Jesus. And the thing I love about the apostles is the courage that they had to go out and share the gospel at a very young age. But they had the courage and the willingness to do so up to the point of persecution and or death. And as we know, some of the apostles were put to death, but all of the apostles were persecuted at some point in their ministries. But they were willing to lay down everything and follow Jesus. And we need to be willing to do the same thing. I am not saying run out and quit your jobs. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying because I don't have room for you all to stay with me. But what I am saying is we need to be willing to put things aside at all costs 
to follow Jesus. And we need to be willing to follow Jesus when it's not easy, when it's hard, when the timing is bad, when we don't want to, we still have to follow Jesus. And that is so, so important. And I think that we get so caught up in our everyday lives that we forget what we should be thinking about and what we should be focusing on and willing to stop everything and say, listen to the Lord and follow what it is that he would have you to do. And I think that that's super important. And I love that the the apostles were young guys who were willing to do this for Jesus. And again, no arguments, no rebuttals. Yes, Lord, if that's what you'd have me to do, I'll lay down my nets and I'll follow you. And we need to be willing and able to do the same thing. The last one is probably my favorite, and this is the last one we're going to look at today. As I promised you, um, today's message is going to be short, sweet, and to the point. Um, You don't want to hear me up here rambling on for hours, so I'm not going to do that. But I think this is a really important story, and this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I think, again, this is a very familiar passage probably to most of you especially if you grew up in the church, we, we kind of know this story. But for those of you who maybe don't, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. I'm going to give you the short version of the story. So basically what happened is King Nebuchadnezzar built this amazing gold idol. And he commanded that all of the people in his nation would bow down and worship this idol. It was a commandment. When you hear the music play, when you hear the horn sound, you are to stop what you're doing, you're to bow down, and you're to worship this idol that I have built. Because that was the God that Nebuchadnezzar was worshiping. And he commanded that everyone who heard the sound of those instruments, who heard the sound of those horns, were to stop what they were doing and worship this idol. And if you didn't, you were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And again, most of us kind of know this story a little bit, but Basically, what happened is that somebody came to the king and said, hey, these three guys are refusing to bow down and worship your idol. They're flat out refusing. Why did they refuse? Because they refused to worship anybody other than the one true and living God. Talk about peer pressure. We talk a lot about peer pressure in youth group because... We see that a lot in schools and on sports teams and in our social circles. We talk a lot about peer pressure, but let's talk about peer pressure. Everybody in the entire nation was bowing down and worshiping this idol, except for three guys, three young guys at that, who refused to bow down and worship the king's idol to the extent of knowing that they could be thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, this is what I love about that, and this part is not on the screen, but we'll get to that in just a second. But early in this passage, actually before the part that we're going to read, these three guys, and I'm paraphrasing, say, we're not going to worship your idol because our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, We will not worship your idols. What a powerful statement for these young people to make. I have enough faith in my God that you can throw me into that furnace and either he's going to rescue me or I'm going to go to be with him in heaven. 
I don't know about you guys, but that gives me the chills every time. That these three, against all odds, were willing to say, I don't care. My God is here. And keep in mind, God is silent at this time. God hasn't said a word. He didn't send a messenger down and tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that, hey, if you stand up to these guys, I'm going to make sure you don't get hurt. They just had that much faith. Do we ever feel that same way? That we're asking God for something, we're crying out to God for something, and he's not answering? So we go, oh, he's just not there. Doesn't matter. God's not listening. Doesn't love me. Doesn't care about me. These guys didn't do that. They said, hey, get king. Do what you got to do. Because I believe in my God and I have enough faith in my God to deliver me from you and those who worship your idol. So do what you got to do. No peer pressure. Weren't afraid of death. God hasn't spoken at this point either. It's not like they knew that God was going to deliver them. So for those of you who kind of know the rest of the story, what happens? They make it. The good guys win. And actually, when they threw these three men into the fire, not only were they unharmed, but they saw somebody else in the fire. Three went in, but there were four, and they were unharmed. And the story tells us in the text that this was a fiery, hot furnace, okay? I don't know about you guys, I'm not fireproof. If I walk into a flame, I'm probably going to get burnt. And that was the whole idea, right? They were bound and thrown into a furnace with the idea that they would perish, but they didn't. Because our God is faithful, and our God loves us, and when we stand up for Him, He does things for us, because that's what He wants. And when we're being faithful to Him, like these three young men were, He's going to deliver us from that fiery furnace. So let's pick up with the text. So we are going to pick up the text with Daniel, chapter 3, verse 24. So Daniel, chapter 3, verse 24, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Otherwise, again, we've got it on the screen here for you. And this is after King Nebuchadnezzar realizes that, hey, not only did these guys not burn up, but there's somebody else in there with him. And I love this part. It says, then... King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Weren't there three? He's excited. I, I picture this scene. He jumps up. Wait a minute. What's going on here? What just happened? We threw three men in there to be burned to death, and now there's four. He says, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the straps, the, the satraps, sorry, and the satraps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. 
Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. For no other God can save in this way. See, these three guys had so much faith that they said, you know what, I don't care, throw us in the fire. What would we have done as a teenager in that same situation? Would we have had the blind faith that they had to say, you know what, I don't care, do what you got to do. Now, we are, we are very fortunate that we live in a land where we have, we have the freedom to worship the one true and living God. So chances are we are never going to be put in this type of position where we either have to make the choice of do we die for what we believe in or do we deny God? We're probably not ever going to be in that situation. And thank God that we're not. But are we willing to? Do we have that same blind faith to say, God, I trust you so much that they can throw me in the fire and I'm going to walk out. Or if I don't walk out, guess what? I'm still going to be true to my God. Now, I'm not saying go running into a burning building. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is have the courage and have the faith to stand on what you believe in and you'll be rewarded. And maybe we won't be rewarded here on earth, but we're going to be rewarded someday in heaven for the things that we do here on earth. So by not denying our God before others, for always being willing to have that blind faith, to stick up for what we believe in, to tell others about our amazing God. Because what did the end of that passage say? No other God could save in this way. And that's the God that we serve. That's the true and living God. That's our Heavenly Father. That's the one who wants to have a relationship with us and wants us to have this same kind of trust and faith that these three young men have. But the choice is up to us whether we're going to do that or not. So, what can we do? We can encourage our young people. Just as these young people in the Bible did amazing things, our young people today can do amazing things as well when given the opportunity, when given the training, when given the encouragement. So what can we do as a church family? We can encourage these guys. It's not always going to be perfect when they get up here, and that's okay. It doesn't matter. The fact that they're willing to serve this church and our God is all that really matters. But what we can do is encourage them. Because like I said earlier, some folks get up here and they make it look really easy to stand on this stage and to talk in front of a group of people. But it's not that easy. And it's not that easy as a teenager. And it's certainly not that easy when you get up here for the first time and you have to talk in front of a church. So we need to encourage these folks. We need to pray for our young people. I hear people say all the time that the young people are the church of tomorrow. I challenge you that they're the church of today as well. And we need to be praying for them. And we need to be praying for our church. Because if we don't bring up a generation of young people who are ready, willing, and able to serve that love Jesus with all their hearts, there's not going to be a church. And it's not going to matter. So we need to pray for our young people. We also need to be an example to our young people. Because guess what? Whether we, want to know, whether we want to think about it or not, whether we know it or not, they're looking at us. 
Moms and dads, they're looking at us. Our more senior saints in our congregation, guess what? They're looking at you too. They're seeing how you interact with people. They're seeing how you serve the church. They're seeing where your heart is at. And they're mimicking that. And they're emulating that. One of the things that we as parents, for those of you who are parents, our kids are watching us all the time. Even when they're playing video games, even when they're on their phones, even when they're texting, they're watching us. They're looking to see, mom and dad, what are they doing? How do they interact with each other? How do they interact with other people? How do they treat the server at the restaurant that's doing a terrible job? They're watching. They're watching everything that we do, and they're emulating those things. If we're using inappropriate language in our homes, guess what our kids are going to do? They're going to use inappropriate language. If we're watching inappropriate movies, guess what our kids are going to do? They're going to watch inappropriate movies. But if we bring them up in a household where we are loving and serving God and loving Jesus above all, guess what our kids are going to do? They're going to love Jesus above all. I talk to parents all the time whose kids graduate from high school and they go on to college and they walk away from the church. And the one question I always ask them is, when your kids were still at home, was Jesus the priority? Because if he's not, you can't expect your kids to walk out the door and make Jesus a priority if you're not making Jesus the priority. Is Jesus the priority or are our activities the priority? If we don't make it a priority to, to follow Jesus, our kids aren't going to make it a priority to follow Jesus. And that's our responsibility as parents. So we need to encourage them, we need to pray for them, and we need to be an example for them because they're watching. And even if you don't have kids and you're sitting here in this building and you're hearing my voice, guess what? You have a responsibility to the young people of this church to encourage them, pray for them, and be an example to them. It falls on all of us, guys. So, takeaways. Let us make the sacrifices that Mary made. Mary sacrificed a lot to follow God's will. We could do a whole series on the sacrifices that Mary made and the consequences behind what God did in her life. And thank God for her because she gave birth to the Son of God. And without him, we all wouldn't be here. But let us have that same heart to say, yes, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, then use me, I'll do it. Let us be bold in proclaiming the gospel in the face of persecution or death as the apostles did. A lot of times, I, you know, I, I hear people say all the time, I can't talk to people about God because I don't know enough. I can't talk to people about God because I don't have scriptures memorized. I can't talk to people about Jesus because I'm afraid they'll make fun of me. We need to be bold like the apostles were. We don't care if they make fun of us, right? Because God tells us to take the gospel to everyone in every place. And when we're truly following Jesus, we do it. When we get a new car, we tell everybody, hey, did you see my new ride? When we get a new phone, hey, check it out. I got the iPhone X. I got the latest iPhone. And we tell everybody and we post pictures of it. Right? We want to share those things with everybody who will listen to us. But do we do the same thing with Jesus? 
Or do we kind of put Jesus in our pocket and say, yeah, I love Jesus and I'm following Jesus, but I don't know that I want to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. For whatever our fears may be, let us be bold to go out and preach the gospel. And you don't have to preach the gospel. You don't have to stand on this stage. You don't have to stand on a street corner with a megaphone and a sign. I actually recommend that you don't do that. <laughs> have you ever seen the people that stand on the street corner with the megaphone? You'll know why. But what each and every one of us can do is tell people what Jesus has done in our own lives. Because that is more powerful than any scripture that you could quote to someone. Because let me give you a little tip from what I've learned. Quoting scriptures to people that don't know the Bible doesn't mean anything. I don't mean that to be rude. More props to you if you can quote lots of scripture off the top of your head. That's fantastic because we should know the gospel. How can we share the gospel if we don't know the gospel? What I'm saying is when you're introducing somebody to Jesus for the first time, to start spouting off book, chapter, and verse is probably not going to get them interested in Jesus. But when you talk to Jesus about, look, these are the amazing things that have happened in my life because of Jesus, people are going to want to hear that. How did Jesus teach? Jesus used parables. He told stories. He talked about things that people could relate to. He has a lot of stories in the Bible about fishing and about farming because these are things that people in his time could relate to. We have to find ways to relate to people where they are. So let's be bold like the apostles were. Let's not be afraid to talk to our coworkers about Jesus. One of my favorite stories, and some of you have heard this before, is when I was working for AAA over in Costa Mesa. I worked for AAA for nine years selling insurance. And there was a girl that was going through a lot of difficult, difficult times. And I had the relationship with her where I could do this, so don't, don't shoot me for this. But she would come in complaining about what a horrible day she was having. And I'd just say, you need Jesus. And that's all I would say. You need Jesus. And she'd say, uh-huh, and she'd keep on walking. She'd come in the next day. Oh, my husband's driving me crazy, and da 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 You need Jesus. That's all I would say. I didn't preach to her. I didn't tell her she needs to pick up a Bible. I just said, hey, you need Jesus. Finally, one day, she stops at my desk, and she says, why do you keep telling me that I need Jesus? And I said, because all you're telling me is about all these terrible problems that you have, and I'm trying to give you a solution and a way that you can fix those problems that you have. And she was like, huh. That's literally what she said. She literally said, huh. And she walked off. But I just kept doing it. Every time she'd come in grumbling and mumbling about what, how terrible her life was, you need Jesus. Finally, one day she comes back to my desk and she says, you keep telling me that I need Jesus. Where do I go from here? The light bulb went off. I said three words to her every day. You need Jesus. And then I started talking to her about things that Jesus has done in my life. And I'll promise you, I didn't quote any book, chapter, and verse to her. But I started with, here's what he's done for me. He took me from over here, where I was in the same place that you're in, to over here, where I'm happy with where I am, and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe that's not how you go about it. Maybe it's just the example that you give. Maybe you're just a happy, positive person, and people say, Eric, why are you so happy all the time? Why are you always smiling? And Eric says, because I'm saved. It can be as simple as that, guys, and you'd be amazed 
at what a difference that that can make in somebody's life and open the doors to that. Now, obviously, there's more to it than that, but that's how you open those conversations, and that's how you get Jesus to people, and then you can sit down and study with them, and then you can invite them to church or Bible study or whatever the case may be. But it can be so, so simple. So let us have that courage that the apostles had to share Jesus everywhere we go. Because people need Jesus, right? Just like we do. And lastly, help us to have that blind faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let us be willing to say, hey God, I trust you so much, I don't care what they do to me. Because it doesn't matter. Because either you're going to deliver me from this fire, or I'm going to have a home with you in heaven. So either way, I win. Right? That's the beautiful thing about our story is the good guy wins. I've read the Bible. Right? And maybe for those of you who haven't read the whole Bible yet, spoiler alert, the good guys win. If we follow Jesus and we do the things that he tells us to do, we win. Not the guy driving the fancy sports car that we feel like has everything that we want. Not the guy that lives in the mansion that we feel like we want. It's the people who are following Jesus. They're going to have a home for eternity in heaven that win. So let us have that faith in God that even when we don't hear him, even when we think he's not listening, even when we think he's not there, let us have that faith and that courage to say, God, I know you're there. And I'm going to follow you blindly, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. So again, the big idea that I want to leave you with is that God chooses people according to his plans. Not according to age, because as we just saw, some of the most influential people in the Bible were teenagers, young people. So he doesn't choose on age. He also used elder, elderly people in the Bible as well. We could do a whole other lesson on how he used older people in the Bible, but this is a youth-led service, so we're going to focus on the youth today. But he doesn't choose people based on age. He doesn't choose people based on gender. Look at what Mary did. Without Mary, this whole thing is out the window, right? He doesn't choose people based on gender. He doesn't choose people based on background because he used fishermen and farmers and tax collectors, right? So we say, well, God can't use me. I'm an IT guy. He can, and he will. But we have to be open to how he wants to use us. And lastly, he doesn't choose people based on their abilities. The apostles didn't have any public speaking background that we know of. The apostles didn't have a lot of background knowledge that they brought to the table. He didn't go out and pick the best people he could find. It wasn't an all-star team. It was a team of simple people who did extraordinary things. And that's what I want to leave you guys with today. Regardless of your ability, your age, your gender, God can use you, and he will use you. But we have to be open to look for those ways, and we have to be willing to make sacrifices, to be bold, and to have that blind faith. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we had today to just come and to share another portion of your word. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to look for those ways that we can honor you, serve you, and build a closer relationship with you, not only for us, but also to lead others to you as well. So Heavenly Father, help us to pray for our young people, to mentor our young people, to bring them up in the church, to be the leaders that we know that they can be, and help each of us to take something from today and apply that to our own lives so that we can be a better servant for you. Heavenly Father, most of all, we thank you so much for sending your son. We know that without that amazing sacrifice that was made, we wouldn't have that hope of any eternity with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
In just a moment, Brandon's going to come up and lead us in a song of invitation. And you have an opportunity today, if you've never been baptized for the remission of sins or to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have an opportunity to do that today. The baptistry is still back here. I know it's a little covered up today. But I promise you, we can still access the baptistry and we'd be more than happy to baptize you into Christ if that's your desire. Or maybe you are a Christian and you've fallen away and you haven't been the follower of Jesus that you know you should be. You haven't been the example that you know you should be and you want to make that right. You have an opportunity today to confess those sins and to ask for the prayers of our church. Or maybe you have just a general prayer request or anything that we can help you with. We're going to invite you to come forward as together we stand and sing. I am not skilled to understand What God has willed, what God has planned I only know at His right hand Stands one who is my Savior